0: the visionary path is not straightforward there's kind of this incubation process. Pieces are coming in, you're really getting clear in your desire, what you want, what you don't want. And that is not a linear process all the time. There's personal evolution side to that and there's a professional side to that. So you have to kind of make space for both and communicating in the brand.
1: Welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where we explore what it means to create a truly exquisite life. I'm your host, Amira Alvarez, inviting you to be part of these intimate conversations about feminine ambition, what lies beyond traditional notions of success, and how to answer the question, what's next when you've already achieved so much? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm Amira Alvarez. I am the founder and CEO of Unstoppable Woman, and today we have part 3 of our three-part series on authentic growth and and we're using the relaunch of the or the launch of the rebrand for the unstoppable woman as the the topic or the the case study if you will for some of this conversation around how do we how do we grow when we've got an established brand when we've got an established company you can even say when you've got an established life this is not just about growing in your your company but growing in your life there's there's a lot of commonalities here so today's episode is going to be uh, about how Leah approaches branding and marketing and the evolution of a company, that growth of a company, and how she really looks at that. And one of the things that I love about Leah, which I think will be a really interesting place to start, is that she is a bit of a unicorn. She, I think, is what everyone in business desires, the person who can wear many hats and and not just good, but exceptionally well. So I see her as being exceptionally good at the the design, the vision, all of that, but also at copy, right? And and languaging. She can also look at strategy. She has a strategic mind and she's looking at big picture strategy and the details, which are two very, very different things. She does project management, right? She she has that whole breath and she has this spiritual tapping inside that most people um, don't really think of when it comes to marketing and branding. I'm sure there's many people who do marketing and branding from a spiritual perspective, but they don't necessarily then are able to translate it into a concrete really robust execution. And that is unusual. So I thought I would bring her on to the podcast today for you to hear what her approach is and how she integrates all these different aspects to to the work that she does. So welcome to the podcast again, Leah. So good to have you here.
0: Thank you. Good to be here. This will be fun. So first question to you, how would you describe what you do? I first and foremost think of myself kind of as a spiritual strategist. I also call myself a shamanic strategist. And what I mean by that is I come from this background. I'm trained as a shamanic and initiated as a shamanic priestess. I am trained in the Akashic records and I consult through the records. I do a whole bunch of other kit and kaboodle from a spiritual perspective, including bringing people's soul and star maps into the work. So I do that with like human design, gene keys, astrology. For those of you who are not familiar, they're these ancient systems essentially about how we're imprinted at birth and like the codes we come into the world with. We can see that through these maps.
1: For all of you who are hard drivers and this is not your lane and not like, you're like, huh? What is she talking about? Just stay tuned, okay? Like, don't write (laughs) it off. Don't go. Oh my God, this is way too much woo for me. Because the, like I mentioned in the intro, the beautiful thing about Leah is she's able to be this shamanic strategist or the spiritual strategist. And those two words, like, I think that's one of the beautiful things that you do. You're able to map words together that encapsulate all the sides because we're not unidimensional beings. So I want to come back to that, but please keep going with your description.
0: So I bring kind of that whole spiritual side together with a backgr- a heavy background in strategy. So I've started digital and social marketing for a billion dollar company in the casino space. I've kind of that's where I kind of got my bread and butter marketing experience. And then I've worked for a strategy firm in San Francisco. I've also trained at a fu- as a futurist. So I bring this kind of high intellect side to things where then I marry the two together, not just in the specifics for marketing and branding, that that's like definitely the execution. And I think that's one way you see it live in the world, but to help people really hone in and figure out their vision and then bring it to life. Like that's language I use to think about it. And marketing and branding is one way of landing the spaceship. It's like bringing the vision from the ether into the world into form.
1: So Leah is also someone who was a client of mine a number of years ago. So th- we have this beautiful relationship where now I'm her client, which is great, right? I love the evolution of things, but she knows me from very intimately. So that's that's helped the process quite a bit, but I'd love to know like, if an aunt and I'm gonna put an and here. When we started working together on this project, although it took me about a year, which is what we talked about in last the part two's podcast, by the time you and I started talking and and engaging on this, I was 90% clear about where we were going and what we were doing. Like, what is the new service offering? What is what is the differentiation? What who are we working with now? Like, oh, we had all the sort of concrete things. We might not have had the nuanced language around it or visual containers to express it yet. And that's where you sort of stepped in. How would you then, if someone was was not your past mentor and coach and wasn't that far along, would you still be able to help them? And how would you approach it understanding how to pull out the vision so that you could take the next steps with them.
0: The visionary path is not straightforward. Like, and when you're downloading a new vision or catching it, there's kind of this incubation process, right? Where it's like in the nest, it's it's coming into form. It's the pieces are coming in. You're really getting clear in your desire, what you want, what you don't want. And that is not a linear process all the time. And it, there's a personal evolution side to that. And there's a, side to that. So you have to kind of make space for both. I think by using the star maps, as I referenced earlier, to me, they're like cheat codes of being able to see and pull out like strengths and sparks and ideas and directions that we can then say, have you thought about this? Are you leveraging this anymore? And, and the way that I work with these three systems is you'll often find people who specialize in one of the systems, and I integrate the three. I very much have a systems mind. So by integrating these three systems, what we can do is we can start to see patterns across all three systems. So it's not just in your astrology. It's not just in your human design. It's not just in your gene keys. Even though these three systems and synthesis are all interrelated, they look at things from very different levels. They can tell us very different types of information. And the way that this comes to life is something with something I call your living legend, which is really like your story, your psychology, your experiences, the things that you've learned, the initiations you've gone through in your own personal life. Like there's a way that this stuff maps and tracks to these maps as well. And so there's a really powerful integration across all of these to start to to tune into things. And in addition to that, we mentioned the Akashic records earlier We can also go straight to your guides we can work with archetypal tools and imagery and other things to give you things to respond to so we can be in that creative abyss or unknown but still have ways to pull things out hey there
1: i just want to take a quick moment and ask what's the thing holding you back from your own success the hidden shadow or saboteur potentially at play for you And do you know how to find it? We often have that one thing keeping us from our next level. And it's not always the strategic move. It's often the internal one. I found in my own journey of success and building my exquisite life, it's what I call a core wound or loyalty pack. What's that? I share more at theunstoppablewoman.com, right on the homepage. Find out more at theunstoppablewoman.com. Now let's get back to our episode.
0: Because oftentimes, and you'll, you can speak to this, Mira, like you'll know that something needs to change, but you might not yet know how, and you might not net know how to figure it out. Right. And that's a very, you have to have a lot of trust through that process and be willing to take one step. And often the first step can just be like, okay, I don't know what it, the next, the answer is or the next step is, but I just know things have to change. You need to start to be committed to, to discover what that change can be.
1: Okay lots of lots of follow up questions here but before I ask more questions I think for people who don't know can you give us a very 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 short description of what the akashic records are
0: Yeah so the akashic records are essentially the library of your soul they're the library of all time forwards backwards and beyond and multiple, multiple dimensions across kind of all realities in yeah. space and time and you access the akashic records meaning it's it's the akasha Um, is a Sanskrit word, but the Akasha is this like the recorded history of existence of any and all possible existence. And when you can access the Akashic records, you can talk to your guides uh, or your record keepers and they can kind of go through the library, like a librarian and look things up for you or give you the direct information you know for the potential or the path or the question that you're interested in. It's a little bit different than if you go to like a traditional intuitive or psychic experience. And the specific way that I work is from a empowered desire-based experience. It's very much in line with like the universal laws and manifestation, which is like, what do you want? You know, you have the power to create your realities to really work with the records from that place and not from this, tell me what I need to do place. It's a very particular version of it. Yeah,
1: I love that. I love that. Okay. A few follow-up questions using me as a case study Mm -hmm. here, shifting slightly. When we did this work together in the beginning, this was like the information gathering stage versus the like, she then does strategy and execution, right? This is information gathering. She did the Kashuk Records conversation, speaking to the guides for both my personal life, but also for my business. So I'd love for you to speak to what the difference is there. And then you also mentioned something called the star maps. And do you do that for me? Because I don't remember you talking about that, <laughs> but it might not have been a tool that was necessary. And so maybe there's
0: some conversation
1: about why you used one versus the other kind of thing.
0: So it's like the whole toolbox, right? So you use different things in different times and scenarios, but. I guess I'll start with the star maps and then remind me to come back to the records. For you, I have referenced them slightly, right? Because these are, to me, they're huge catalogs. They're like manuals of your life. So we can access them for lots of different levels of information. Human design in particular, it's more mechanical. It's more of a guideline for how your energy is meant to move through the world. And so we've looked at that for you from like some... In some ways, the particular way that I went deep on it was like decision-making, right? So I think there was specific big decisions we needed to make. So I wanted to give you some context in case you wanted to take time because that could be part of your process if it was supportive. And as a
1: a, uh, a note... I'm very much into human design. And we actually interviewed, I interviewed, there's no we here. I interviewed the woman that I work with strictly on human design, and she's fantastic. Her name is Sam Zagar. And look back for the podcast on on that, because she will, if you're curious about what that is, that lens on the world she explains it in much more detail we're not doing that here but i've never heard of human design being referenced as a star map so i think i just got a little lost in that but i understand now why you would call that a star map
0: just to recap that the way i do it i reference it differently because i use the tools differently right So, you can use any of these tools in any different way. I've been trained to use human design and astrology both through the lens of business and through people who are like pioneering and testing it with hundreds or thousands of business owners to see the patterns and the ways that these can kind of translate, which is a little bit different than the traditional uses. And it's a different interpretation in terms of the strengths of the lensing and well, we go all the way off the rails. I'm going to try not to go yeah, all the way off the rails with that. Let's not do but, that. But there's, for you in particular, just to wrap that piece up, I have looked at your astrology, I've looked at it compared to your human design. There are things that I'm like keynoting and slightly keeping in mind, but I kind of did it as like a back of the pocket like napkin check just to see like if we were in alignment with that, if there's anything that stuck out that we need to be paying attention to. So those are the ways that I was using it in this case. One of the things I want to
1: highlight there is that it's an interesting way of understanding, like as a business owner, we know different people on our team, different clients, different situations require a slightly different way of navigating. There's nuance like this person needs this, this person needs this. You're going to remain Fundamentally the same. You're not going to be a chameleon, but you know that you need to adjust your approach depending on the situation. I think what Leah, like I'm translating a little bit here, what Leah's doing with this is she understands, oh, this is the way Amira functions in this world. It gives her like an insight to that. Therefore, I'm going to present materials like this. I'm going to present timelines like this. I'm going to present you know, how we work together. Like the project management side is where I've really seen that come through. Like the level of detail that you're giving me and Mm -hmm. the way you're giving it to me in multiple, multiple ways, right? Like I'm an auditory processor. I need to scan, but I also need to know it's backed up by like a tremendous amount of detail that builds my trust. I'm going to go into detail when I need it, but I'm probably 90% of the time not going to do that unless it's pertinent to the conversation. She understands that. And part of that, so let me ask you a follow-up question on that. How much of that is, that's just me, Leah, that's, I know, I know you, Amira. I, this is how I work. That's just me. That's me knowing how to read people. And how much of that is I've looked into these charts and understood who you are.
0: Yeah, I think there's two pieces that I'm thinking of. One is, I know we talked about this at some point of like affirming if you're an auditory processor or not, right? Because you do like to do a lot of Loom stuff and we do voice notes and things like that. And that is something that was coming up in our kind of conversations in my like certification work and about how generators often do tend towards more auditory processing, which is interesting. And So that was kind of affirmed and that helped me to actually direct and be willing to kind of work in those channels in those ways. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is from a strategy perspective, which I'm not going to go all the way into because I think some of this is going to come down the road and as we are working together... But there is a way of bringing more intimacy into our marketing strategy and really leveraging relationships and network and really thinking about that at the core of how we do strategy going forward that directly also codes from your design as things that I'm paying attention to. I find that fascinating because before
1: I even had heard of human design, I had these three keynotes, truth, intimacy, beauty, right? Like it just downloaded loaded. And and intimacy is, I don't go light. I don't wanna have a light conversation. I can chit chat, but I'm much more happy having something that has depth to it where I really see the core of a person. And I really know when people aren't in their truth. And for me, intimacy and truth go hand in hand and they are a type of beauty. So they're all three very integrated. And in my human design chart, I have the channel of intimacy, which I didn't know when I claimed that. But I'm much better one-on-one in or small groups where I can create that kind of truth, that kind of vulnerability, that kind of intimacy. Because to me, that's where people's power lies. And it can be their truth when it's when I like, if I use that channel of intimacy, I can pull out their truth. And that's a huge benefit to them. And plus, it's how I like to work. So that's big. Now, the beauty that Leah brought to the table was then she was like, okay, well, how do we bring that along with some other keynotes that we've touched on, like spaciousness? And, you know, there's La Dolce Farniente, right? How do we bring these keynotes into the visual brand, the copy, the the experience that people have with our marketing in general, with with the company in general? Okay, I'm gonna hand it back to you.
0: Specifically, we're talking about comes from something, and if you're looking at your human design, there's plenty of places online to people with the chart. We're talking about something from your both your profile and that channel intimacy as well, and there's some other pieces. To that channel and remind me later. I'm not going to get into Alfie, but that's a (laughs) different conversation for us to have for your your work. But you know, as a two four, one of the other things we've talked about is this balance between needing to have your own time and needing to be with people, right? Like, so let's just
1: pause there and translate two four is my profile in human design. So the two is the hermit, and the four is the networker. They've been called different things in different people's languages, but I have this seemingly oppositional kind of profile. I need this hermit time this time alone, and I also need to have this network where the good in my life, whether it's other people, the business, all of that, it comes through my network, through the people I know. So it's important that I have that as well.
0: There's different ways that we can then leverage and create strategies around us essentially. And so when you are looking at your human design, depending on what lens you're coming from and to try to make this useful for other people, like this is one way that we can translate both like, because ultimately human design gives you permission to lean into who you are. And so when you see that and you feel that resonance, it's like, then how do I design around the truth of who I am, both from a beauty and expression perspective, but more, concretely from a strategy perspective. So I have the system and the tools and the lead generation, for lack of a better example, in place that works for you and how your energy likes to move, how you show up best, how it can actually nurture and cultivate all of your energy and enthusiasm and brilliance and gifts and give you what you need to, to do that. So let's pause there and give people a little bit of a concrete example of
1: how we did that maybe with what would be a good example of them the podcast outreach for our new guests, right? Right. Like that no one here will see it because it's for people we're inviting onto the 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 podcast, but Leah built this very beautiful invitation for me. So this keynote of beauty and depth. Like it wasn't just like five uh,
0: sentence email.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it was it was something that had tangible depth to it. Can you describe your process around that and how it might link to what you've just shared?
0: If we think about it in the context of relationships, for example, we're using the podcast as the way of initiating new relationships, right? And to so continue to build the beauty and the brand of the unstoppable working and to build a network around that and to tell the story through these incredible, powerful, like people have died, incredible things. And it's different in the sense that we're not just sending the sending a hit list or getting a list from a PR agency and just doing as much outreach as possible and just see who we can get. We're kind of that would be an
1: antithesis to, to, antithetical to intimacy, right? To this quality and to this, this way of building a true network, not a one-to-many kind of experience yeah is yeah. that true is that how you look at it
0: yeah a little bit that and also just like building relationships right we want to start things off on the right foot separate oppression and 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 we're changing how we even research podcasts yes and how we invite them and what we're saying to let them know that like hey we see you we've seen what you've done we're into what you've done we recognize how incredible you are. We'd love to have you on our podcast. And there's a couple of different ways that that's going to come into fruition later on, but that's kind of the first version of how we're starting to do things and approach things with this depth and intimacy to really say, instead of just like, instead of just using it as a marketing tool and channel, it's really about like building this network and relationship around this work. Um, and and to do that also with this. Really beautiful and considerate brand expression and invitation that kind of says, you know, tells them about this new direction and what we're doing and why we've asked them to be a part of it um and how we think it would benefit them, but also expresses it. It's like the new brand is very sensual. And this is something we haven't talked about. And I can't remember exactly where it shows up. There's a few places it does show up for you that I. But it's also just in your energy, right? Like we don't, I, I can look at some of stuff by the keynotes, but I, can, I also just know you, right? So a lot of this is in your energy too, where this sensuality and this texture, we talked about this a lot in terms of what you had to convey, because we did have traditional kinds of conversations around inspiration. And, and I was playing things on side of the visual communication side, as someone who needs to interpret what your client is giving them, Beyond just here's a photo, you know, how do we use these photos? It's more what are these photos trying to express and how do we bring that quality to life? And one of those major qualities, besides this intimacy, is really this like sensuality, this like experience of a really beautiful life. And that's, you know, as you'll see in with the Exquisite Lights, that's part of what it talks about, but this whole new way of looking and expressing and experiencing the juice and the aliveness of being in your feminine power. And when you think of feminine power, it's that's an interesting thing from a branding perspective. It's like, how do you translate that? And so that's like really fun to work through in the records to see kind of the, the different ways and direction and inspiration and give us around that. But there's all of these different pieces that then were kind of, for me, I'm pulling out these keynotes, and finding a way to visually encapsulate that, to encapsulate the to encapsulate the feminine expression, feminine power, the spaciousness, the intimacy, the sensuality, the texture, the luxury. But it's really not luxury in a, this is just expensive, it's luxury. And this is just well-made and a great experience and something that is just delectable to the senses. And so those are the things that I'm paying attention to on other sides of like, bringing it down a few levels and translating this in many different ways from the strategy to also the visual expression and experience and the door opening to the brand for people who are getting to interact with this new direction.
1: Yeah. I think people will really see that in the new podcast cover, the sort of graphic for the podcast, the the new homepage for the website, you know, the ELP, the exquisite Life Plan. Event page, they'll see it on our social media, which we were all just recently put out in a quasi coordinated way. So I think even though you're not seeing the invitation that I made reference to, you'll see the these things that Leah's talking about in our public facing work now. And she's, she's created all of that and been incredibly thoughtful about it. I also want to go back to something you said, you said luxury that's delectable to the senses, not just expensive. And This was one of those nuances that, you know, we were working with someone very, very briefly, and we were trying to find the right designer. Like we were trying to find a designer who got us a brand or brand person, someone who got this. And, you know, we would say luxurious life. Okay. And Maybe we didn't translate that well, but I was like trying to point to things and show people what I meant by that. And I riffed on it. You can see who I am, right? And we would get things back that look like Gucci. Okay. And, and I'm like, this is lovely, but this is not, this is not me. I, I and there's nothing against Gucci. I love a Gucci bag, just like everyone else, but there's nothing in me that Is about like, I like fine things because they're fine things. I don't like fine things because it's a brand, okay? Or a status symbol, or going maybe to the extreme, a little bit pretentious or needing to sort of prove oneself, right? You know, people buy things for all different reasons, but I love nice things. Like, there's nothing like I'm not anti brand. But when you said that luxury that's delectable to the senses, never actually heard you translate it that into words, but that's exactly correct. And I think that's one of the things the gifts that you bring is that you can see that nuance. It's not one size fits all. It's not a you're 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 delving in and you're spending the time to really figure out what it is. So now let's let's talk about that process around time because that's been a really interesting one for for us. Because when Leah dives in, Leah dives in. Like, I don't know that Leah, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't know, like I I said, I don't do conversations in a light way. I mean, I do conversations like in a joyous way, but I like a real connection, not like surface. And I have a feeling that you approach your work in the same way. Like you just can't do yeah. light.
0: I like to deep dive. I'm thinking if I'm going to translate this into astrology or not. That's what's <laughs> happening in my brain. But I have a lot of placements that are oriented towards depth and going to the deepest of the deep of the deep. And that is one of my gifts, right? Is this penetrating insight into people, but also into all of the unseen and what is not said. Like this is where the shamanic and spiritual and energetic and essence and vibrational pieces of really is to translate that, tuning into subtle energies, tuning into energies that are beyond just what we can see and being able to see what is there and then be able to bring it from the invisible into the form, right? Like, Let's talk about that. Okay, hold on.
1: Because we can't skip over this. So, because a lot of what you're saying is kind of, like,
0: yes, on the say, edge woo,
1: for many people. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe for for you that are listening, you're like, finally, I found my woman. But but for a lot of you, you're like, oh, really? Come on already. But the translation, like what you do with that, because because you're not actually talking to me about a lot of this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Which is great because I probably would be like, just show me the the execution, right? I'm like, I love it, but I want to see us moving forward on the project. Right. So you're doing this in the background, and then you're coming forth with like incredibly beautiful material that captures what we're looking for with thoughtful insights that share, you know, your perspective on it and asking for feedback. And there's a loop there. But can you talk about how you, your process behind the scenes that I don't see of translating? the the spiritual into something that's very concrete new podcast covers new social media you know templates new copy everywhere right like a new website right you actually do that work and and get that 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 out into the world and that's very unique right a lot of people can do the insight but not the creation that like pulling it into form so can you
0: talk about that process I'm going to kind of loop this in with our hanging Akashic records question from before, and we'll see if we wrap those two together. But mm-hmm. the intention for the mini project, so we did this podcast mini project, which was to essentially get the new direction of the podcast going, to, to get some of these behind the scenes and in front of the scenes assets like the cover going so new outreach and activity could kind of begin. And so this was a way to, instead of doing the traditional branding process, where you might like, like do all of this exploration and all these brand boards and have like different logo treatments and have all these different expressions of what you choose. We kind of skipped that. <laughs> we did a little bit of a Pinterest board to like gather ideas and to to give them a sense of the different potentials that we can pull from.
1: Multiple Pinterest boards, lots of stuff. She One worked board. very hard on the
0: yeah. Many boards within the board, but yeah. Yeah. I mean it
1: was it was well or so it was well organized. I just I I want you to I, I want people to understand it didn't take long. She did it quickly. It was a lot of different possible directions to that then direction one, multiple examples, direction two, multiple examples, right? And and then I a quick start, go and look at it and be like. No, 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 no. Yes, this is possible. Oh, I like this of this, but not of this. This, yes, no, yes, no. She has feedback. We can go. It was a very quick and streamlined process. It wasn't belabored on my end, yeah. at least.
0: When our early conversation, when we were sinking back up and you were telling me more about what you were thinking about from a brand perspective, I was starting to pull out these keynotes. So there's language that I'm working from in part of this. And then I'm also feeling into things just in our conversation psychically, you know, like what's what's in the air? What am I seeing? What am I getting from other sources of information beyond just what we're talking about? So there's things that then I can kind of continue to refine to see like, is this on path? Is this not on path? Is this a potential direction that's worth exploring or not? The Pinterest boards kind of help with that. Then we also did a session in the records and I felt into beforehand because I could either do the records with Amira, you know, for Amira Alvarez herself or I can do the records for the business and the energy of the business itself. And I come from the school of thought that everything has energy. I think this is in the laws, but I think like literally even my like, this has energy and you can talk to this. And I have to say so for those like just that.
1: listening, she's, <laughs> she's picking up her wrist pad, from, for, is that what it's called? Like a wrist yes. rest for her <laughs> yeah. computer, like this little foam rubbery thing. Like, and she's like, yeah. even this has energy. I ha- I know that. I feel like if, if, if people are really can slow down and tap in, we, we feel energy in all things, right? The- yeah. Hey there. I just want to take a quick moment and ask, what's the thing holding you back from your own success? The hidden shadow or saboteur potentially at play for you and do you know how to find it? We often have that one thing keeping us from our next level. And it's not always the strategic move, it's often the internal one. I found in my own journey of success and building my exquisite life, it's what I call a core wound or loyalty pack. What's that? I share more at theunstoppablewoman.com, right on the homepage. Find out more at theunstoppablewoman.com. Now, let's get back to our episode.
0: And live in a conscious universe. And so I think there's consciousness in everything, and Mm. there's a consciousness and a soul of your business, right? And there is an energy to your business. So we aren't, you are not your business for all entrepreneurs out there. Your business is its own being. It might not be in form per se, but we can still interact with it and get information from it. And so when we access the records for the organization or idea or concept or being that is your business, your business is going to have a different level of information and your records are going to have the record keepers for your business are going to have a different perspective of information because it's, it's not your stuff on your business, right? Because we have our human stuff and our concerns and our worries and our perspective. That's a different thing we have to address in individual records sometimes versus in the business rec because like if you're making a decision about the business, that might be more in your records, which we had to do for you. But if we're making if we're just getting information about the business itself and what the business is trying to be and express in the qualities, then we can talk to the business itself or you talk to the to the records of the business. And so there's different ways we can kind of access different things and get different strategies and guidelines and inspiration and guidance and whatever else. And so when you go into the records, different people work in different ways, but when you go into the records, sometimes you can get um, information right away. And the way information comes through, and you can slow me down if I need to break this down further, the way information comes through for me often is I'll either have words, but I often get imagery. And so when I opened the business's records, we got a very specific image that we could start to have a conversation around. And that started to give even more language and more idea, and more expression to what is this imagery that we're seeing? What is this spark for Amira? And then it's kind of this conversation back and forth where we can continue to build or pull or translate or whatever it is to then see where things go. And it's really beautiful and powerful, whether it's using the records for guidance or personal transformation or business strategy. It's really incredible to see what comes through because you never have any idea before you go in. You have questions, but you know, and then to be able to see the magic of inter the interplay between the person who we're accessing the records for and what's coming through and what that actually means for everyone and how that starts to come to life. So yeah, it's really it's really powerful. But and and then connect that to
1: the the thread that you were on in terms of the traditional way of doing this is to do the sort of brand guidelines almost first versus what we did which is the way i work and think as well so this was a beautiful match was to do an actual project and what are we going to do for the podcast cover what are we going to do for the podcast everything to do with that right the the emails the the invitations the one sheet all all of that very um concrete practical Necessities in the business. I wanted to see in motion almost um, initially, so that I could respond to it. That's a very generator term in human design, but that's very different than coming up with like pick the colors first and then build the stuff around it. I think everyone else does it <laughs> in this, this back asswards way because like you you pick colors, you pick all this stuff, and the, you don't know how it's gonna look until you start putting it together and then you're like, oh, that that doesn't look good. It needs to be like this. And yeah. it feels so much easier to do it in a project, pull that out as long as you can think specific and big picture at the same time, which you can. So yeah. Why don't most people do it like this?
0: I didn't go to branding school, but I think it's not the traditional way of doing things partially because mm-hmm. I think we're trying to get on the same page, right? We're trying to narrow things down. And so the logical or the hierarchy of narrowing things down is like, there's a certain way to make sure we're heading in the right direction. There's a certain way to then see what competitively or creatively the color usage is. There's a certain way to like do the logo expression. You know, like there's just a way that things get broken down. I'm sure there's more reasoning behind it than that. So that's not to poo-poo it, But I do think in my own experiences with branding, I can't really tell what the brand is until I see the expressions of it. And so Lee also flagged this for me in one of the first conversations we had, which was like, she explicitly said, Amira doesn't do well without seeing it in use. So when I was scoping that first project, it was a little bit of like serendipitous whatever of like, okay, how can I create a mini deliverable that is just enough to start to see if we're headed in the right direction, and gives us things to play with and is actually useful. And so I went into my own records and got guidance because there's a few different options of what we could have worked on. And they were like, start with the podcast, and you know, and, a, and I like broke it down in like a half hour and like was able to type up a proposal quickly. There's reasoning there about why it just kind of worked out that we tried it and did an experiment. And I'm a third line. You actually have a lot of third line energy in your chart. Separate thing. The third lines in human designs of S36 profile are all about experimentation, right? And learning what does work and learning what doesn't work and having this trial and error process and kind of having the badge and the scars to show for it. And okay. So-, so, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm going to out you here.
1: Okay. Cause that, that explains so much, Leah, because not only are you third line trial and error, but you have all this depth right? She just like, she showed us the behind the scenes for a moment um, <laughs> the other day. And they were like, she's like, I'm going to scare you, but there's 50 options here. I'm not showing you all of these, but like, I'm, I'm testing the size of this font and like the space here and this subtle movement. Should it be a micro, uh, you know, element over? And what if we change the color lightening yeah. it here or darkening it here. And so she does this experimentation in behind the scenes in a way that she can see and uh, does this trial and error. I didn't have to see that. I got a lot of options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I could give you feedback on, but it was a synthesized version of that. So,
0: Yeah. Um, and, and one other piece I want to add to this in coming back to the podcast project is you're kind of asking me to use other things, the Apple wants to specifics, but I think a really interesting piece of this is how I was curating photography. for so the podcast covers and Mira has thousands of photos on their creative management platform, but I was looking for certain essences and expressions of how, of what the photo could be and how she was showing up. And it was this balance between you know, because there was this back and forth of me still kind of holding in on and getting things correct from what you were trying to express, which is this contentment and spaciousness and ambition all at once. And so it was like we're not leaving the ambition behind, but we need to also bring in this new way of doing it. And so finding out how to express kind of this feminine approach, let's say, to ambition and achievement and business is something I was thinking about, and one of the ways that we are approaching. Some of those feminine qualities. This isn't all of them, but is this like spaciousness and this calm confidence, and is this freedom and is this like expressiveness? There's a way that it's just like poised and relaxed and put together, but it's it's effortless. And that took me a while to name that as one of the things that I was looking for in the photography we're using of this like natural confidence. It's also interesting because you're second line in your profile is all about the natural. So there's this naturalness that I kept telling you guys that I was trying to curate for in the photos. And it took me a little while to articulate that. So I knew it in my mind. So this is also my own process. It's like, I know some of this and I know what I'm looking for, but I don't always have yet the word to express it. Yeah, that's also part of the process of distilling down as well.
1: Because when I think naturalness... There's a little part of me, even though it may not be accurate, that thinks
0: natural, right? Like Yeah, like grass.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, but also like a little bit less polished, right? Yeah. I'm not high maintenance, but I'm also like, we're not having a podcast cover out there where I'm like not got my makeup on.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So I think uh there's a little bit of like, oh, but. What does natural mean? It means to me, when you say that now, I understand that means me embodying my, the comfort that I have in embodying myself, right? Like that, that I am, I am comfortable at ease, peace with myself, that it's not this, this um, constrained or trying too hard expression. Even in, you know, the photo that we actually picked is, you know, I mean, my hair is up. I've got full makeup. I got a beautiful dress on like it's it's a it's a full put together photo shoot. It's not a casual selfie or something like that. Right. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
0: Yeah. And there that's where I, it took me a while to get to the word effortlessness. Like there mm-hmm. is this like it's just easy. And not mm-hmm. and, and this is interesting to also note when you're talking about branding is yes, words have different meanings to everyone, right? And so we had many conversations about what we mean by exquisite, what do we mean by freedom? What is, is this actually capturing that, you know? There is another piece that we were just talking about, beauty. This is an interesting example. Beauty came up as a conversation that we had and about how we wanted to express beauty. And it's a really interesting take on it because it's a version of beauty that is, tied to intimacy and tied to sensuality, but it's not about this like out there beauty. It's not this externalized inaccessible beauty, let's say. That's the word
1: that we got to was it can't be inaccessible. Like we kept playing with that. And I think that's really important for me as a human is that although, you know, I I have boundaries and like not everyone can like just pick up the phone and talk to me right but my personality like if you meet me is not inaccessible i'm not pretentious i'm not aloof i'm i am i connect i have that connection i have that that truth and intimacy piece so the the beauty can't look better than thou or too too unattainable like someone who's Someone in a magazine that you'd never want to have a conversation with, right? Like, that's not how you know. You could find a, many photos of me that look like that, but that's not what we want to communicate. And and we were both very clear on that. It takes conversation to get at that, but we we got there pretty quickly, I think.
0: The last piece I want to name is another distinction we had was with external luxury versus internal luxury. That's also Mm. a a big difference as well. It's not the Gucci handbag. It's more of this life that you get to live and love to live, and it's full of what you love. And that's a version of luxury that is wildly different. And there's so many versions of luxury. We have a whole conversation around that because luxury can really be about craftsmanship. Like at the highest levels of luxury, for me, it's about craftsmanship. It's about people who are the best in the world at their craft, getting the time it takes to do the work it takes to build something incredible and exquisite. That is a different version than just posturing and postulating and having this like stuff that looks good on the outside, but there's no depth on the inside. That's not what we're after at all. Like both from an ethos perspective individually or in communicating in the brand.
1: Yeah, 100%. So that strategy, that sort of like, just to synthesize, there's this spiritual understanding where you're using this toolkit. There is traditional conversation where we're we're fleshing out like ideas and things and I'm I'm riffing and you're asking questions. And then there is taking both of those and starting to put it into play in what we did was a mini project and and starting to refine, and and get it clearer and clearer and clearer until it's the thing and then using that as the jumping off point for the rest of the brand and once we started in on the actual creation of the materials okay and you're showing me you know draft 1 draft 2 draft 3 right like we're going through this iteration process and we're refining and making decisions what I see as the client is extraordinary project management and hitting deadlines. And like if if you're thinking, "Oh, she's so woo, she's never going to be able to execute the work." It, absolutely the reverse. This is the unicorn part, okay? And so th- at this point in the execution part, like I'm seeing hitting deadlines. I'm seeing thoughtfulness of bringing the strategy in and um the ability to refine based on feedback and the initial drafts were were phenomenal to begin with but then there's this refining process so the next question I have for you is in that I'm going to call it the execution phase how much of that is then you just doing the the testing and tweaking and and pulling it together and how much of this behind the scenes are you doing your shamanic spiritual work that I don't even know about
0: I think it depends on the situation. So sometimes there is things where I'm pulling cards to get inspiration and I actually did that at the beginning of the podcast photos as well to see what is the ultimate expression here and I and I pulled this very expressive like free kind of sensual but like felt like freedom I can show you the card another time this card that was just like you know and that was like an energy that I was playing with in the podcast covers as an inspiration point. So I can use things for inspiration. And then some of it is just like pure execution. And and one of the things in the creative process specifically that's unique is like, there is this exploration and curation and finding that often I don't think a lot of people recognize that there is a, a depth to that, like trying a 100 different cursive fonts and trying all of these different serif fonts and whatever, if that's what it needs. Because It's really interesting when you just use like fonts, for an example, you can have a very similar type of font, but there's going to be a slightly different personality and expression as you're playing with different things and and depending on the layout and the words. So it's really fascinating to be able to to see all of that um, and to play with all of that.
1: You know, you talked a lot about your process, which I love. I love knowing what it is. And I think it, it's just helpful to, to, to have the context of that. Is there anything that frustrates you about your own process? Like there's so many great things about it, but is there anything that you're like, wow, I do this thing that I'm compelled to do, but I wish, I wish, you know, it would save me 20 hours if I didn't have to do this or something like that. Is there any, any aspect? This is not about not loving yourself. This is just like, (laughs) you know, like, is there something, you know, if you could avoid this, you would kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is where intuition can be helpful and sometimes you just have to try things. So sometimes I have an idea and I can just go after and go in that direction. But like in the refining process, like figuring out the color of certain birds and where the placement of the register mark is and things like that like i, I kind of have to see it and i have to kind of play with it and look at the differences and i was thinking about this because there is a level of detail orientation that is going into this that some people might just be like whatever it's good enough and for me, I think that's where the intention gets lost, right? Like and all those micro decisions to not actually commit to the refinement, something gets lost energetically. That's your your own craftsmanship, right? Yeah. That yeah. That is the love, the energy
1: that comes with doing it right. I think the difference between, tell me if you agree with this perfectionism from a place of fear i'm going to get in trouble if i don't do it just right versus i want to do it right which comes from a place of desire like a full authentic expression of what's supposed to come through and to me what you just described you know like the the micro decisions you're making could to someone look like the perfectionism from a place of fear, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get it right. So I'm going to like try and dot my I's and cross my T's versus I'm doing it because this is is the truth that needs to be expressed. And I think you do the latter. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But I also think there's something very much about intention, right? And there's something also about that energy that is going into something that then is reflected out of it, whether it is captured by the logo placement or not. I don't think that's what I'm necessarily arguing for, but there's a level of attention and attention that when it goes into a process that translates energetically in ways that we can't necessarily account for. Totally. And, and that's some of the difference in and and making these decisions to do this process, even if it takes me two hours to try the things and find the things and get it to a place because I do think it matters. And and it's really fascinating in a world that is about constant content and speed, speed, speed and just put it out there and try things. Like, I think there's a time and place for that. And there's a time and place for taking the time it takes to make something beautiful, right? Yeah, 100%. and, And there's a difference. And I think you can feel the difference even if you can't tell the difference. And and I think it's more that you can tell it over time cumulatively versus and and how somebody's presenting something because it's a different approach, perhaps. I don't know, or maybe just a resonance or a vibe or whatever. Um I think a even good if- example of of this,
1: Leah, outside of the marketing world is mass market chocolate mm. versus chocolate or fudge made by monks, right? Right.
0: By hand. That, yeah. that
1: <laughs> like they're they're putting all their spiritual love and energy into making this this fudge. And it's a totally different, different thing.
0: One thing that we talked about at the beginning that was coming up for me that I wanted to just name, which was, you know, if you are paying attention to this process that Amiris talked about with the fact that she's closer she was closer to knowing exactly what she wanted and she's ready to bring it into the world, but there was still a lot of decisions and work to be done versus when you're at the beginning and you're still figuring out what this thing is, whatever, what this thing next is. Um, it's an interesting distinction in case you're somewhere in between that process. And I've I've gone through this with my own work. It's why I love working with people who are visionaries. It's what I think I... I do is help people bring their visions into the world because we often need that co-creative support. We obviously have it with the universe and within ourselves, but we need that co-creative support that is really valuable for somebody to see what we're seeing and to help also help us see what we can't see and to give us something to respond and interact with. And that helps to start to land things and to also make you not feel so alone and so crazy. Like why am I deciding to like leave behind my five million dollar generating whatever? You know, you're just not there anymore. Right. And and likewise like we're talking about energy and attention, if you stay with something that you're not even on board with anymore, like people will eventually be able to tell, right? And your energy won't be there. And so there's a consequence on the other side of that too. So I think it's really interesting to be able to trust the process and know you don't have to do it alone and to recognize that it takes time and it's okay that, you know, it, the baby is not ready to come out yet. <laughs> <It, it>, Whatever <laughs> the bread needs to rise in the oven, you know, and to be patient and to trust that it's coming because it's it's not a linear process. And and I think you you kind of alluded to this and I've done it in my own processes and things. Where you try to take it out when it's not ready. <laughs> and then you're like, what why isn't this not working? <laughs> yeah. And it's painful. Like you still want it to be done and it's not done. Right. And it's not the same thing of just like, oh, we're just creating a new product in the business. It's mm-hmm. it's and there's so much more to it. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I find this like when I work with women on you know what they want to do, like they're at a level of success. Right? They don't want to give up their level of success, but they're now it it that's not uh satisfying in all the ways. like there's a what's next. It's like that's not a like, okay, we're gonna have a twenty minute conversation and figure this out for you. And there's frustration. like I've gone to breakfast with my girlfriends where they're like, "What about this idea?" And I'm like, sweetheart, why? No, no, no. It's a great idea. Someone should do it, but that's not you. But I just want to know what I want to do next. And I'm like, okay, well, let's have a conversation about that. But that's not like, you can't just decide. In so much of being in business, you've gotten really good at at quick decisions. And you know you know that, that lane so well that you're able to make quick decisions. And then there are these places where, The decisions need mm, a percolation period, a a gestation period. So, okay. So, Leah, any last words that you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap
0: up? And where can people find you? Branding can be fun, right? Like it's this, it's this, this piece at the end of, at the end of one part of the journey and the beginning of the next of like bringing this expression to life, right? And 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 this way of. Bringing what's been incubating inside of you into the world, and finding the ways to give it life and to translate it and to see it come into form, and I think that's kind of why I love this this one part of the process um, so much is because you get to to see it right. It's tangible. It comes to life. You get to interact with it, It's like makes it real in a whole other way, and it's at the precipice of what's next, and and bringing that into the world, and so. Yeah, whatever process you choose to take, like, enjoy it, right? Find the lusciousness in it. Find Like, get to find the joy in expressing this thing that is so much a part of you, because they often are, even though it's not all of you, um, and being able to bring it to life. So that's what I would yeah. say about that. I and love then, that. And then to find me, Annamara, um, you can do Annamara.com. Annamara is a word. How do you spell animara (laughs) for everyone yeah animara is a-n-u-m-a-r-a.com and animara is a mixture of two latin words which is soul anima and aura which is gold so it's soul gold so it's really about capturing your soul essence and bringing it into the world to me it's really your soul genius is what we're capturing and bringing into the world um because we all have our unique genius and gifts and so my whole creative and translation process is kind of helping to facilitate that, to capture it and to share it with the world for you. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I did not actually know what
1: Annamara came from. So that's great. I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for being on the podcast. I just want to reflect back to you that the level of thoughtfulness, depth, um, intention, attention, energy that you bring to every stage in your process whether it be the spiritual shamanic side or the project management like the the level of clarity and even the formatting of your project management work is like it's done with such attention to detail and quite frankly love and that comes that that thoughtfulness and depth is perhaps not for everyone they they want They don't, you know, many entrepreneurs, myself included, we make quick decisions and we're going quickly. And I will say that I've also loved your ability to to do both, right? Work with my need for speed and the depth. And, and that level of attention that you bring to everything is, is really quite beautiful, including this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. If you're interested in reaching out to Leah, please look at our show notes and uh, we'll put her contact website there and where you can find her. And if you like this podcast, please like it, please subscribe, please share it with your friends. Uh, this is a very unique and innovative way of looking at branding and marketing. And I would love your feedback in terms of how you think we did in, in communicating all the the keynotes that we've been talking about and the touchstones in the new brand. Um, please take a look at it on our social media. We'll put links to that in the, the show notes as well on our website. Uh, And of course, on the podcast covers. So thank you so much for being loyal listeners. Thank you for showing up here today. And I will see you in the next episode. I'm Amira Alvarez. I'm the founder and CEO of The Unstoppable Woman. And I am wishing you an exquisite life. Most ambitious women I work with already have good lives, possibly even great. But there's often this one area that is fine as is, but not yet exquisite. Exquisite. And yet, when we unlock that one area, they access a whole new level. I want to personally invite you to book a complimentary call with me and discover what that unlock could do for you. These calls are for women who have done at least a million or more in their business or executive career and are ready for an exquisite life inside and out. You can book our conversation at theunstoppablewoman.com slash connect.